You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. Hey there, we're going to invite you back towards a seat. We're going to be in a couple of different spots today, Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 4. As we continue in our series, Jesus, Your Name. And uh, in this series, we're talking about declaring the name of Jesus over all things in our life. That includes his power, glory, sovereignty, love, and peace, and everything that his name and character represents, uh, his person, the way he does things, over and above all else. Uh, last week, we talked about the, the manner or the basis in which we have uh, power to declare the name of Jesus. It comes through relationship in Jesus, but it also comes through the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's kind of a little bit of a, a overview. In the name of Jesus, we are saved. In the name of Jesus, we are commissioned. In the name of Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we are empowered. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, our faith grows. Everything that we do centers from the name of Jesus. Uh, Joni and I have really come very late to the party to a TV show called NCIS. It started in 2002. And it's been, we have caught up to season 15 now. But one of my favorite things about NCIS is when they show up somewhere, people want to know, you know, who are you and why are you here? And we just, you know, Leroy Jethro Gibbs, flash it, NCIS. And when we declare the name of Jesus, it's something similar to that. I don't know that you need a card to flash in the name of Jesus here. But it's, you're not there in your own authority, you're not showing up in a situation. You're not praying. You're not declaring something with the, when you're talking about the gospel in just, you know, the name of Bill or the name of Louie or the name of Amanda or the name of Patty. You're coming in the name of Jesus. You're one of his representatives. And, you know, maybe if you want, in your own head you want to think about you have that card in your wallet of I belong to Jesus. He's authorized me to do business in his name. It can give you a different way of thinking. Because often when the enemy wants to shut us up, he will come at us in the area of saying, who do you think you are? What do you really know? What about all the troubles and difficulties you have personally? How do you think you can do anything to help anyone? He wants to make you small. He wants to bully you. He wants to shut you up. He does not want you to share anything about what Jesus is doing in your life. Because one of the ways we overcome the enemy as it talks about in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 12, it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, Jesus' death on the cross, and by the word of their testimony, meaning that which God has done through their life, and by not holding on to this life above all else. So the word of your testimony, what you would share about what Jesus has done in your life, and seeing that happen in your life and in other people's lives in Jesus' name is a powerful thing that overcomes the work of the enemy. God did not have to do this, but he empowered and commissioned his people to be about the reconciling of others to himself. If it was up to me, I would probably want a more efficient manner than trusting humanity. Yet God has chosen that which the enemy chose to target because we are made in the very image of God. He's chose to target us to try and mark us with his own image. And instead, what Jesus is saying, I'm going to entrust each person who belongs to my name to be the people who carry the message of hope and reconciliation and life and salvation. So you don't have to know everything. You simply have to, quote unquote, be Leroy Jethro Gibbs in the name of Jesus. Okay, not really Leroy Jethro. You can be yourself. That's fine. But it's that principle. Does that make sense? Okay, good. I hope so. Joni's nodding, so we get it. Uh, it's funny because uh, when we think about 
how significant it must have been for the early disciples. I believe they actually did it that way. But they were seeing things for the first time. And though Jesus had told them this is what was going to happen, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be buried, and then I'll rise again. They were still caught up in this idea of if the Messiah comes, it has to be something that affects us politically and militarily. It has to be an overthrow of Rome. It's got to be focused on this. And that was not the kingdom in which Jesus came and still is not. That's for us today. It is not for us to try and think he's going to come politically or militarily or economically. He is going to come in a kingdom that is not of this world. And so the disciples of that time, is they're, they're, they're always asking questions. And Jesus gathers his disciples. He's getting ready to be taken into heaven. And it's interesting because it's, it, it doesn't say how it happened. It just says, and then he went up into heaven and he disappeared from their, from their view. And so... Um, I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan, but if you are, you think back to the days of, was he transported? You know, we don't know. We just know that he was taken up, and then an angel appeared and said, in the same way that he left, he's going to return. But the whole thing, what he said right before he departed was very significant. He says, okay, you guys are my representatives. I want you to know that all authority, this is Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, says this. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, as he's getting ready to, from this point forward, he, he leaves. But he says, as you go, in everything that you're doing, you know, this often is looked at as being a, this is a reason why we have to go to the very ends of the earth. And while that can be true, the Greek tense of the word here says, while you're living your life, or as you're going about your daily business, I want you to go in the authority I've given to you to declare the name of Jesus, to teach people everything I've taught you, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and know that I'm going to be with you. And that these are the outward signs of a person who belongs to me is the person who is sharing the message that I've given to them, to this person. Uh, topic of scripture or this passage of scripture is the great commission. This is where God tells everyone who belongs to him, this is what it looks like to be about the mission that God's given to you, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We know from last week that at the same time he said, don't go anywhere until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power to go and do all this stuff. You'll have the, the gas in your tank. You'll have the diesel in your truck. You'll have the fuel necessary to take you forward and also the direction, the, the leading into all truth, the reminding you of what to say, the reminding you of what Jesus has spoken, the conviction of sin and justice and, and judgment, all those things will be because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. But this is kind of the way that you're going to be going about business. So your main job in life, if you work for the post office, you deliver your mail well. If you're working for NV Energy, you do whatever they tell you to do, Peter Johnson, Right? Whatever your job is, you're wanting to do your job, but you've got a subroutine. You've got a job that's kind of flying under the radar because God in his great mercy and his desire to see all people come to a knowledge of his truth has placed his people in all aspects of society. I was talking to a couple of friends not long ago about the fact that this realization that there's so many people in Reno who call upon the name of Jesus. And there's a lot more Christians in Reno than what you will encounter in this room. Thank the Lord for that. 
there's a lot of really great given the mission to carry this message as they go. And I kind of like to see if it, we're, we're undercover in Jesus' name, looking to share the message of the gospel of Christ, the good news, when we have the opportunity, teaching people what we've been taught. And when a person says, yeah, I want that, there's baptism that takes place, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if we keep that in mind that everywhere we're going, everything we're doing, we're always on the lookout for the opportunity to share. This requires a couple of things. One of the things it requires is that we have bandwidth in our life. I think one of the reasons we are tempted and maybe even at times feel guilty for not having our schedule fully packed, like somehow we're being slackers, one of the reasons I, I believe God wants us to have bandwidth in our schedules so that he can redirect us. And if we are running pedal to the metal with a schedule that is packed 110% full constantly and we're always pushing the margin, we do not have the ability to stop and listen, let alone to stop and have a conversation. Does that make sense? So it requires a different way of living than the prevailing world around us because busyness is the is the currency of the, of the culture we live in. And constant occupation with, our, with our, our minds, or preoccupation with our minds, is the constant push. One of the things that you'll see, even when people, you know, whether there's not as much public transportation here, but whenever there's downtime, you will often see people filling their downtime with a smartphone. And they'll get on and they'll do, be doing whatever. Maybe they're, getting, they're learning another language. Maybe they're you know, checking their Instagram. Maybe they're, you know, who knows? But there's not necessarily something wrong with that. But that also gets in the way of our potential ability to take stock of where we are and to look around and to simply be present. And I would offer up that as a thing that maybe God would want us to be doing as a part of our mission is to be present where we are because it's in the presence of where we are that he will work and he will move. Yes? The, the inner circle of disciples with Jesus. And it had to be quite a trip for them to see what life was like with Jesus while he was here on earth. But then what starts happening now with Jesus gone, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're still supposed to be going about their daily business. Doing what they would normally be doing in Jesus' name. with the awareness that things might get sidetracked with something that Jesus has for them to do. And in Acts chapter 3 and 4, it tells the story about Peter and John going about their daily business, doing what they would normally do. This could have been and most likely was something that Jesus and his disciples had regularly practiced. At the hour of prayer in the afternoons, which would have been about 3 p.m., they would go to the temple to participate in temple prayer. We don't know how long they've been doing it, but it's just a normal practice. What we do know is that there's a guy who sits outside the gate, and there's, there's several gates to enter into Jerusalem, and one of them's called the Dung Gate. One of them's called the Beautiful Gate. So which one do you think people want to hang out at? Yes. So at the Beautiful Gate... And it's not called the Dung Gate just because of the Dung Gate, but, you know, you could read about it. But at the beautiful gate, there's a guy sitting there, and he's known. No, people may not know his name, but he's the lame guy. He's the guy who can't walk. 
He sits there. He's been there for a long time. He's been there for most of his life. People just know that's the lame guy. He can't support himself, so what he's doing is he's begging for alms. He's asking for provision. You know, have mercy on me. Help me pay the bills. And people, as they go by, would, on their way to church, maybe on their way out, they would want to give him money. They've seen him for years. But in this particular situation, Peter and John walking towards the temple, going through the gate beautiful, they see the guy and something is different. I cannot tell you here's what it's gonna be like when the Holy Spirit starts to stir you, but I can tell you, you will know because you will have questions and thoughts in your head that would not be in your head normally. Something will pop up where, I don't know if, you've, if you ever go on autopilot when you're driving around and you, know, you, you don't know how you got from where you, are, where you were to where you are, but you just are there. But have you ever, okay. It's, that's a normal thing. We get preoccupied. But at some point, Peter's looking around, and he sees the lame man, and the lame man's looking at him. And the lame man, with the eye contact, it's like, I got you. Do you have any money? And Peter says, hey, hey, look at us. And John, the guy's asking for money. I don't have any silver and gold. And for some reason, he is stirred to say, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. What does Peter have? If we go back to Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 9, it talks about before the Holy Spirit was poured out, Jesus had given all power and authority of his own to his disciples. And he sent them out two by two. Two different times it talks about he sent out 12, he sent out 72. And it says he gave them authority to declare that the kingdom of God is at hand, that Jesus is Lord, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to bring deliverance to the oppressed. He's given them all these things. So when Peter, now filled with the Holy Spirit, he's looking at this guy and something clicks. So the Holy Spirit has whispered to him, you have something that he needs more than gold or silver. I don't have those things, but what I do have, I give to you. Jesus gave me the authority. He doesn't say this, but this is what he's doing. Jesus gave me the authority in his Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it says, he took him by the hand and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And the man began to walk and to leap and to praise God. And everyone who could see him, everyone who saw who this guy was, said that looks an awful lot like the guy who always sits by the gate, beautiful begging. And at some point, it's really amazing because homeboy has not been able to walk his entire life. And you get this picture where as he's leaning on Peter and John, I'm just thinking these two guys are holding him up as the one thing he's going to start to have to work on now is his cardio because he's got none. But he was just jumping around because he's so excited because he's been healed. People want to know why did this happen? How did this happen? What's going on? And really, when, when a healing happens... It's a sign. And what do signs do? They point to something. If you see a sign that says stop, what are you supposed to do? If you see a, if you see a sign that says Par Boulevard exit and that's where you're going, what do you do? You get off. You see a sign that says in and out burger, you say thank you, Jesus, and you go get a triple three by three animal style protein setup. No tomato light on the spread, please. Thank you very much. Okay, you, the sign points to an action. And in this situation, the sign of the man being healed, it's not just, yay, he's healed. He's healed, and the sign points to sharing about why and how he was healed. And it's not that Peter has to say, shut up, everyone, I need to talk to you. People want to know when they see something happen like that. 
This is why we're told to be ready in season and out of season to share a reason for the hope that we have. How did you do this, Peter? Aren't you the guy who, when the little girl came up and said you were with Jesus, you said, no, you weren't, and listened to how, I, how good I can swear to prove that I wasn't? Isn't that you? Sipping because of us. We're just normal dudes. This happened because of the name of Jesus, who you crucified and buried, but God raised from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's given us the mission of declaring the good news of God. And he's given us the message of seeing people healed and restored and, brought, and deliverance brought to them. And people are like, what are we supposed to do? And he says, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. And more than 2,000 more men were added to the, to the church that day as the church People are seeing what's going on. They're drawn to repent and to turn to this one who has brought healing and restoration to this lame man, which is actually a sign and a symbol of the lameness and brokenness that we have apart from Christ, which is why it's pointed to him. At this point, the religious leaders who are having a very bad six-week run, very bad, because they thought if we just get rid of Jesus, this is going to be done, and then he's resurrected from the dead, and then they say, well, let's just make it into his body was stolen by the disciples, well, the, the Romans, and as they're baptized with the Holy Spirit, then they began to declare the praises of God in their own language, excuse me, <coughs> declare the, the praises of God in their own language, and as they're doing that, people say, you know, what's going on? And Peter gives this message, and 3,000 men are added to the church, and it's growing, and people are declaring the name of Jesus, and instead of shrinking and going away, the name of Jesus continues to grow in, in, in stature within the city, and people are, are calling upon the name of Jesus and seeing miracles happen, and they think, we have to do something more. So the, they send the brute squad to arrest them and to throw them in jail. And so Peter and John are in jail because they brought healing to a man and spoke about it and declared and testified that this was done in the name of Jesus. The next day, the 72-member the religious council, the Sanhedrin, composed of the high priest, various elders, two different political parties, really, the Sadducees who don't believe in the uh, resurrection of the dead or in angels or spirits, and the Pharisees who believe that, that those things did exist, brought them out to question them, to figure out what was going on. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, trying to figure out why all the Pharisees and Sadducees' plans were not working for them. And as they had them standing before them, they were absolutely stymied by what they saw. Acts chapter 4, verses 7 through 13 says this. When the religious leaders, religious council, had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? How did you do this healing? Who gave you the authority to do this kind of stuff in our city? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, and by the way, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit when you're called on to testify. The Holy Spirit will not leave you there going, bidi, 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 bidi. it's not gonna happen. You can trust that he will give you what you need at that time. And you don't have to wonder, is it gonna be profound? It's gonna be good? It will be what is needed because God promises that. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, 
the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Or, or what name do you do this? I had mentioned that the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. Jesus promises that in Luke 12 and John 14. So often we get caught up in what we know up in our head. And I'm a wholehearted believer in filling our head with the word of God. You have to know, however, when it comes down to you being called on, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to say in that moment. Peter testifies that this is not about us. We didn't do this on our own power. This is about Jesus the Christ. Yes, he is the Christ, though you killed him. He quotes a very prominent messianic scripture saying, the stone the builders rejected, that which was meant to be the cornerstone of our faith, you kicked out. Because when a building is being built, a cornerstone is the, is the stone on which the rest of the building is built. It's the one thing that is, is true, it's dependable, it's square, it's, it's solid, and everything, both the walls going up will be built off of that, and everything will be symmetrical in the way it's supposed to be off of that cornerstone. He said, you rejected this, but it's now been established by God. Further, this man was healed in the name of Jesus by faith in his name. And now the, what you can do is you can repent, you can turn to Christ. And by the way, the only name under heaven that people are given by, to which they, they can be saved is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who came in the flesh. Thank you. The religious leaders are the highest educated individuals in all of the Judea culture. Within the, the political and religious world of the Judean people. There is no one who has more authority and power in that area. And yet, they are stymied because they look at these two guys, Peter and John, former fishermen who are bold, but they're also common. It means like us. They're uneducated. Most of us are far more education than Peter and John ever had. And all that was about them that was true that made them stand out as they had been with Jesus. For us to live and to do business in Jesus' name, what is required is that we be with Jesus ourselves. And if we are with Jesus and we are about his ways, we're about learning his word, we're about spending time doing the things he's called us to be and to do, spending time with his people, that has a direct effect on us and our relationship with him and it rubs off and you may not see it, but people around you will see Jesus in you in that moment. What do you have to do to do business in Jesus' name? Peter and John did not get the treatise on, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, but how? What's our strategy? You know, until Acts chapter, I think it's Acts chapter 9, when the persecution hits in the book of Acts, the whole church is kind of hanging out in Jerusalem still. They haven't gone to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They're just kind of hanging out. But when a persecution arises against the church, then they're scattered and they're running for their lives. And as they're going, they're declaring the message of the gospel to the people they come in contact with. I'm not looking forward to physical persecution. I don't think, man, hope this is the day somebody whacks me in the head for Jesus. 
But when that happens, and it's not if, it's when that kind of stuff starts to happen up close and personal for us. Because we could say, well, I don't know that it's happening. Well, it's happening in most of the world. Here, you know, we get our feelings hurt when people don't let us do the things we used to do traditionally. When it happens, as we're going, Jesus can and will use that circumstance to allow us to declare his name. I get the picture of people running for their lives and saying, but <coughs> what do you need in order to do business in Jesus' name? You need more knowledge? Uh, like I said, wisdom helps. Applying scripture helps. Knowing it in your heart helps. Uh, do you need to be exceptional? Um, if it, we need to be exceptional, that eliminates the majority of us. Uh, it's funny when someone who is well-known within the culture comes to Christ. I can remember uh, there was a baseball player by the name of Daryl Strawberry played for the Mets, among other teams. It's back in the 80s. Uh, well-known battles with all sorts of fame and drugs and all sorts of stuff came to Christ. And I can remember people saying, now God's going to really be able to, to do really great things because we've got a famous guy. And people would go to Daryl Strawberry and they say, Daryl, tell us your, your story. And he says, I have no business telling anybody how to do anything until I learn how to follow Jesus myself. I think, well, he's great. God will use the great. No, as I read the book, he uses the common, the uneducated, the unexceptional people so that when people look at you, they see Jesus. Years ago, after many, many years of investing in the, in the pastors of the churches in Germany, Joni and I are there. We had gone probably twice a year for 10 years and as the, is kind of a little bit of a change, we weren't going to be coming back nearly as often. And one of the, the pastoral leaders in the room said, we want to say thank you for coming and, and investing in us as, as, a, as, as people and as pastors. Because over the years, we've had, and they started naming these famous people in Christianity. We've had them, and they came once and left. And then we had them, and they came once and left. But nobody's like you kept coming. And it wasn't that they were trying to slam us. It was just, oh, you're just, you're nobody. And it's like, in Jesus' name, yes, that's true. You don't have to be somebody to be used by Jesus. You just have to be available. I'm going to tell you the story of Isabel and the go-go boots. There's this woman. She's a French lady. And um, I think if she was a record, she was supposed to be played at 33. She went at 45. And so it was a little bit faster than normal. And uh, her hair was just like this. She had curled it, but it was like if you did a perm that then stuck your finger in a light socket and went and she's like, like, and she talked a million miles an hour and her voice was super high pitched. And she, when she saw Joni, and she, Joni was wearing these red rain boots, she calls them her go-go boots and just loved spending time with Joni and one time she came up to give us an encouragement. She says to Joni, you are, uh, um, how can I say this? Uh, we would say, uh, you are a douche of happiness, Joni. And it's like, and I lean over, uh, that means shower in, uh, that means shower in French and German. So this is a positive thing. So, okay, uh, this is good. This one particular day, Isabel comes up and, you know, this is one of our last times in Germany. And Isabel says, I have my mother here. She's escaped a hospital in France to come here today. So I go, what's going on? So she's very ill, and they say she's going to die, but she came here today because she knows because you are here, Jesus is here, she will be healed. And I'm thinking, dear God, she came out, she snuck out of a hospital and came to Frankfurt to get prayed for by the mighty powerful nobodies. 
And we're, I'm serious. Can you imagine if somebody said, I did all this and I know Jesus is going to heal me because you're going to pray for me. It's like, I actually have a long track record of failure in this area. <laughs> or it's, it's not so much failure. It's just more like we're, we're waiting. We're in a holding pattern. We prayed for this woman and she was healed. And it wasn't because, well, you know, just whatever reason, God chose to honor her faith. The, right, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We were powerless to do anything in that moment in, in Jesus' name, but Jesus is not powerful because he has himself in his name. And he used us because we were available in his name. I can even remember beginning the prayer, oh Lord, thank you that you're here because I need you super bad. <laughs> what do we need to be used by God? Keep it simple. Be with you in your schedule to be present. And when you are present, be present. Be alert, be aware. Sometimes it's as simple as when you interact with a person and they start to tell you their story, you can ask them the Jesus question. What can I do for you? Or can I pray for you? All you're doing is saying, can I introduce you to my friend who can help? And it's simple and it's straightforward and it's easy. If you will orient yourself to do what Colossians 3.17 says, you will find Jesus working in your life in incredible ways. Not because you're great, but because he's great. Let's look at this. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In him, give him everything. Everything you do, everywhere you go, do it to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Recognizing, even if you're, you're at your regular job, there is no sacred and secular separation. There's no need to say, hey, can you come to my church on, on Sunday so we can pray for you? You can engage with that individual right there. If you dedicate every area of your life to God, in Jesus' name, you will find him working in your everyday life. The majority of the book of Acts did not happen in the church. The majority of the book of Acts happened outside the church, in the marketplace, in the places people were going, on the way to work, on the way to prayer, on the way to Starbucks, on the way to places they were going. It's my flesh, the part of me that is resistant to God, the recognition that in my own self and in, in my willpower, I can't follow Jesus. But in the power of God, I can put Jesus on every day and I can be filled with the Holy Spirit every day to live for him. Whatever I do, do in the name of Jesus. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up as we will be closing with the song again. What are we doing with this? I think it's, you know, anybody here common? Anybody here unexceptional? Anybody here not know enough? Hey, you're the people that God wants to use because when you are used by God, you know what people say? It's gotta be God because you're nothing special. And that's a badge of honor, not a badge of shame. What stands out to you about the declaring the significance of Jesus' name in, through, and around your life? What are some of the situations you need to see Jesus' name proclaimed in your life? I want to invite you to stand as uh, Chris leads us in this song, Living Hope. How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb 
desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the Praise your name, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are our living hope. Thank you that at your name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Pray that you would use us in our unexceptionalness and our commonness. And Lord, may we not dwell in those things, but may we dwell in our identity in you. That you have filled us, you've empowered us, you've strengthened us, you've commissioned us, and that you fill us every day with the power of the Holy Spirit to follow you, to be obedient to you, and to declare your name over all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Right on? God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Drive home safe. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's W-E-B at hillside, the number 4, dot org.